0: Happy Friday, or one of the other six days of the week, depending on when you're listening to this. I don't know, Fridays are fun. Of course, every day is fun. I think I said that in my last podcast, but it is actually Friday. I was a little embarrassed in the last podcast that I didn't know what day it was when I started yammering. (laughs) So I checked just before I started with this one. A couple of changes, of course, in this podcast. I'm actually going to enjoy a little bit of Old Forester 1910. It's called Old Fine Whiskey. And again, I'm going to pour just a little bit of this because I like sipping this so slowly. That's probably about one and a half ounces it's not quite a, a a shot and that'll last me you know a couple of hours while I sip and talk and think and uh, and I'm not alone there's a couple of people sitting here in a studio quietly in the background they' promised that they would keep their sarcastic comments to themselves and uh, that remains to be seen but there's always the edit. So I'm getting ready to enjoy some Old Forester 1910 and enjoying uh, yet another. This is a cigar that I got several of and enjoy them very much. They're called a Double Maduro. They're a Nicaraguan cigar. They are from Rocky Patel, I believe. They are unbanded, so they come in a bundle of 20 of them. They're uh, really good. They're surprisingly surprisingly good for kind of a middle-of-the-road price-wise cigar. I just lit that up and a couple cigars going on in the background over there as well. So hope you guys are enjoying your cigars while I yammer for the next few minutes. If you can see this, uh, (laughs) you know most microphones, this is a really nice microphone. It picks up everything. Our brains hear things and then turn down what's not relevant to us. But microphones do that. Microphones hear everything. They hear every little noise in the background. To help with that a little bit, we usually put what's called a pop filter or a dead cat, sadly named. It's just a big furry looking thing that slides over the top of the microphone. And then there's a pop filter so you don't hear a lot of that kind of thing going on. But for some reason, it's not within reach and we couldn't seem to find it. So the one that fits this microphone. So we took a couple of, (laughs) which you can see, a couple of microfiber cloths we use to clean off things and uh, they're clean and, uh, and wrapped them around this loosely so that it doesn't pick up all the little weird mouth noises. And I'm standing now probably, I don't know, six, five, six inches away from the microphone and Turn my head away to take a sip of this Old Forester 1910 bourbon. In 1910, Owsley Brown crafted his own personal stock of Old Forester fine, old fine whiskey at 117 M Street in Louisville on Whiskey Row so that's what this is about this is the same this is not from 1910 it's just the same recipe from 1910 And as you know bourbon is so weather dependent that who knows what it would have tasted like back when they first came out with it because the weather is the weather changes how bourbon um <clears throat> actually ages but still it's amazing it's one of the best that i've enjoyed out there kind of a medium priced whiskey you could probably buy it i don't know probably for thirty dollars for a bottle something like that of course in washington state You'll feel a little frustration in my voice there. The tax is so high on alcohol that this thirty dollar bottle is probably forty seven or forty nine dollars by the time we pay the Washington state government to um do what it does. Not everything that state government does drives me crazy, but a lot does. Well anyway, I'm I'm wandering. I'm wondering. Maybe we'll edit this out. Maybe not. Gonna enjoy this cigar. A little sip of this bourbon. Mm. Yep. Even the first sip of that bourbon doesn't give me the first kind of burn that sometimes happens. This is great stuff. Wish you were here. I'd pour a drink of this for you. If you uh, if you're not a bourbon fan, I I don't know, pour you a Dr Pepper or something like that or a diet Dr Pepper. It's one of the few soft drinks out there that uh, that's diet that doesn't have that weird metallic kind of back of the throat taste that diet drinks do. But I I digress. <laughs> Here we are now. The reason you clicked on to this podcast and chose to download it or listen to it was because someone shared it with you and thought, oh, you need this, or because you've been following along in the five disciplines of really healthy, high-performance, world-changing teams as we talk about those five disciplines. You probably didn't click on this and listen to it to get my review of Old Forester 1910 or of a Rocky Patel double Maduro cigar, but uh, hey, you know what? In for a penny, in for a pound. Look that up. So the five disciplines of healthy teams, as you know, are what we uncovered over about 30 or 35 years or so of following my voracious curiosity and uh, annoying all the folks who work with me to tears until we came to understand at least part of why we think some of these world-changing teams are so good. And they're, they're, they're really good from a results standpoint. They accomplish amazing things. And then as a result of that, they have really deep bonds between one another and they invent the future instead of sitting back and waiting for it to come to them. And uh, we found out a few things, that it's the work that makes the team. We found that out early on, that it, it, it's the high calling, the the compelling vision, the impossible dream of the team that pulls people together, average people like you and I, and gets us to perform at very high levels for a long period of time. We also found out that the teams we're most interested in were ones that were not, I guess, what I came to call accidentally excellent, right place, right time, um, that kind of thing, and it just, they, they couldn't replicate it, but they were teams that replicated their excellence for years and years and years, and everything they did, they got results on it. So they practice five disciplines, and some version of these five disciplines according to their personalities and the cultures that they're in, but, they, but it's recognizable, all five of these disciplines. So if you followed along, by now you've understood that, that there, uh, there are four disciplines that precede the one I'm going to tell you about today. They are the first discipline that is the foundation upon which they build everything is what we call the discipline of showing up. That means that we make our promises carefully and we fulfill them, that there are no big promises, there are only little ones, and that we, uh, we keep our head in the game so we show up, especially when it's difficult. That's the first discipline. And after we do that for a little bit of time, that earns us the ability to realize we have an impact on one another. So the second discipline is that we manage that impact carefully so that we are unselfishly daring each other to be great in everything we do in our role as individuals and then our role as a team. That's the second discipline. I dare you to be better. I pay attention to my impact on you and make sure it's a good one. And then the entire team will dive in and they will, as a result of that second discipline, they'll choose direct action over endless talk about action they earn it that means that third discipline they are authentic that third discipline is then where the magic happens because of the direct experience the hard work the grit and the grime of doing the work changes everything and then they get results that's the fourth discipline they're focused on getting results because apart from getting results they are utter failures They stick with it. They ruthlessly evaluate everything in light of the attainment of the prize. And they win. And it was a blast. (laughs) Winning teams win again. They're much more likely to win at the next thing they try than teams that almost win or talk themselves into we almost made it kind of things. Every challenge and every struggle and every stress changes with hindsight following the win. That's the fourth discipline, getting results. It's awesome. The more often we get results, the more we expect to get results. Even in setbacks, we expect to win. We love the pivot. We love the attempt. We crave another try. It's exhilarating. That's the fourth discipline. Alright, that brings us to today's conversation. Here we are already eight or nine minutes into this podcast. This is the fifth discipline and it's practiced by all high-performing teams. They have fun. They celebrate. Wow, do they celebrate. They laugh and they tell stories and they tell stories of their failures and of their flops and of their attempts They recount all their surprises. They enjoy their wins along the way as well. They don't wait to celebrate till they get to the end. It's obvious that they love what they do and who they do it with. To the onlooker, this is the most apparent of all of their five disciplines. This fifth discipline, have fun, celebrate, appears to be like a natural outgrowth of their action, but actually Upon inspection, as we deep dive into these teams, it's much more than that. It's a choice. And that choice is made before and during the action. It's truly a discipline. It springs from a core belief that the work itself is a privilege, that the obstacles that we encounter are opportunities, that the grunt is a gift. (laughs) They truly believe that. Making the grand and the grimy work of achievement into a game all along the way, clear to the win, is what sets high-performing teams apart from everyone else on the planet. So this often-studied, deep-studied science of play, that's what I like to call it, is, is really interesting. It kind of informs this discipline. The discipline of fun, of play, of turning work into a game, is something that benefits everybody engaged we've discovered in at least four ways. Here we go. You ready? The first way. Everybody who plays while they learn gains mastery much more quickly than those who work and toil in woeful misery. (laughs) We've come to understand that our memory actually works best when it's laced with emotion, and positive emotion, like what's created when we have fun, activates regions of the brain responsible for the creation and activation of long-term memory. Such memories that we have are laced with vivid detail and they accurately capture the context and then they retain that context for years. Let's contrast that with negative emotions. Negative emotions, usually fear-based emotions, capture and then remember, record if you want to think about it that way, only narrowly scoped details and they often lose the pre and the post realities of the context in which that event occurred or those events. I know there's a lot to think about here. Maybe I'll talk about that more in a, in a future blog post or, or gather some of that research for you and throw it together in, a, in another book if we can. But suffice it to say, if you're having fun, you'll learn more deeply. You'll recall more readily and you'll be able to use what you've learned in a diverse set of situations. That, by the way, is what we call judgment. People with good judgment are invariably full of joy and humor. All right, that's the first idea. Those who play gain mastery faster. Second idea. Teams that have fun while they work recover from failure much more quickly. That internal narrative of those who practice this fifth discipline, have fun, celebrate, is always something like, it'll bounce! Get back in the game. Make it work. We can do this. Let's have fun. They pivot so quickly, shaking off setbacks that it's a thing of beauty to watch. Recently, I sat around a table with a, a brand new assistant fire chief of a fairly large fire department that has been going through a really difficult season. let's say several seasons. For the last uh, many years, this department has really struggled for a lot of reasons that are beyond the scope of this podcast. But this new deputy fire chief has a philosophy that has already resonated with folks, and he's only been in position for about six months. He says, well, this will be fun. And there's a little bit of sarcasm in there, I think, but mostly he really means it. This will be fun. These big challenges that we're facing as a city fire department, this will be fun. This will be fun. People challenges, money challenges, technology challenges, pandemic challenges, all that stuff. This will be fun. That's our second principle, that teams that have fun while they work recover from setbacks and failure much more quickly. Here's our third principle. Teams that have fun while they work learn to trust one another more quickly and more deeply than those who don't. Trust, that's what I think of as the ability to rely reflexively and depend as a default on someone, is the thing that holds any human endeavor together. It's the glue of life, but it's also the fuel. Because my team relies on me, I will then, knowing that, work to be my best at all times. They deserve it, even when I'm not feeling it. (laughs) So here's the fourth idea. Teams that have fun celebrate small wins and large wins along the way. They pause, they step back, they admire the thing of beauty that they just created. Having fun both encourages them and humbles them because they realize that the magic of the team that couldn't be just in their individual efforts all summed up is where the beauty happens. The the high fives and the raised glasses and the happy jokes actually inspire and they direct and they correct in subtle ways and they empower in not so subtle ways. So we found that practicing this five discipline bears fruit in a lot more ways than what I just mentioned, the four above. Shameless plug here. G- grab my book, The Five Disciplines of High Performance Teams, available on Amazon. If you want to go deeper into this idea, if this is enough, hey, just let it sit there. But grab the book. Sorry it's not out on Audible yet as of this recording. It takes forever to create an Audible book. Wow, I had no idea. But we're gonna do it. But it's not available yet as of this recording. So grab the book. There's a lot more in there about this actual theme, if you're interested in that. Okay. Now that your team has practiced these disciplines, it will become a high performance team and here's how we know your team will actually create the future you will build something that would have been left buried in the soil of should have done that or could have done that or you know somebody ought to until the seed of opportunity dies your team however will not only change the future for some of us but it'll probably change you deeply. So thanks for hanging with me. I hope with all my heart that you practice your version of these five disciplines with courage, with tenacity, because that's what it means to practice a discipline. Because the people that you serve, the people who will benefit from your success and never know it's you, deserve nothing less. So here's to you. As I finish this cigar... I'll toast you as though you were sitting right here, over there, with two members of my team in the background. If you were sitting there, I'd toast all three of you. Keep up the good work. Thanks for listening. Here's to you. Mmm. Ooh, yes. Old Forester, 1910. Get a bottle of that, if you're a bourbon lover. If you're not, get a bottle of it anyway. It's great stuff. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes experiment leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E where you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.